0: This morning, we're going to turn back to Ephesians chapter 6, continuing in our consideration of what is commonly called the Christian armor. Ephesians chapter 6. And I want us to read today, beginning at verse 10 and reading through verse 19. Let's all hear the word of God. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of might. Full cool armor of stand in the of the devil. Wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. of having done with truth and having on the breast With the preparation of the gospel darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God praying and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints and for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. We're going to end our reading there. We trust the Lord will bless His word to our hearts. For Jesus, this morning we're going to particularly that piece of armor that is described for us or set forward for us in verse 17 at the end of that verse where we are told to take the sword of the spirit which is the word of God I want us to think on that this morning the Lord helping before we go any further though let's just ask the Lord to meet with us and to speak to our hearts for Jesus sake Lord in heaven now we would pray that thou wouldst bless the word We would pray that thou wouldst be the one who takes the word and preaches it to the hearts of those gathered here. Lord, we pray that thou wilt overrule that which has to do with all of the frailties and the ways of men, and that thou wilt exalt that which has to do with the Lord Jesus and empower that which has to do with his word through the blessed working of the Spirit of God. Lord, I pray then that thou wilt help me as thy servant, guide, and direct may every thought be directed by thyself to the good of thy people and to the glory of our Savior in whose name we pray. Amen. At the end of the 17th verse of Ephesians 6, we read of the sixth piece of the armor given of God. I stress again that the named piece of armor is not to be the focus of our thinking. Rather, we are to set our minds on the grace that is named with that piece. We must consider the graces of God that serve as the protection of the heart, mind, soul, and faith of the believer. We have the considered that truth which girds the minds and emotions. Then we considered imputed righteousness that protects the heart. After that we saw the preparation of the gospel of peace was that which keeps our minds and our coming in and our goings out. Further, the list speaks of faith as a shield, but that faith comes from God and is fixed upon our God. It is not that which lies naturally within. Last week, we considered that salvation, which is to us as a helmet, and that it is the very one who is made to us our salvation. Salvation is not a subject, rather, it is a person. And we are to fix our minds on Him. Today we are going to consider the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And we are particularly going to identify what that sword is, how it works, and more importantly, who uses it. Now there are some who lean on ancient language to settle such questions as I am presenting with my last sentence. One man that I read said that because the selected word seen here for word, the sword is the word of God, that in the Greek it is the word rima rather than the word logos, That the real interpretation into English should be that the sword is not the Bible. But rather is the sayings of God. I scratch my head. Difference. Are we to think that there are sayings of God. That we have not recorded in scripture. That are useful to us in the fight against Satan. In fact, this same man said that if we quote the Bible to Satan, it will prove useless and we will find ourselves utterly thrown down in defeat. It is only when we offer the sayings of God using the language it is written. And connecting the saying of the Lord with that, that we see the power of the word. Therefore, his comment is, you must have the sayings of God well in your mind. Now, I may be very challenged in my ability to reason through this. But I really can't see the difference between the Bible quoted and saying, it is written. To steal a sentence from the Roman governor Festus, I say to this linguistic scholar, thou art beside thyself, much learning hath made thee mad. We'll simply rest the whole issue on the fact that the Lord Jesus, in answering Satan during his temptation, quoted scripture. Scripture. In the first instance he quotes Deuteronomy eight verse three, that man does not live by bread alone. Second, he quotes Deuteronomy six sixteen, that God must not be tempted. Finally, he quotes Deuteronomy six thirteen and first Samuel seven three, that God alone is to be worshipped. To put it very, plainly, the Lord Jesus quoted the Bible. to men are the sayings of God divinely preserved and set down under the direction of the Holy Spirit. And what are given is that which has been forever settled in heaven. It is the Spirit of God. It is the Spirit of God that made sure that every word was so there is no error and there is no omission. It is the Spirit of God that seals the book with His power that every word, as Scripture says, is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. When the Lord Jesus told His disciples in John chapter 16, that he would send the Holy Spirit to them. One of the chief promises was that the, the Holy Spirit would bring to remembrance the words, or if you want to use it, the sayings of the Lord. Those words would be set down and remembered. Not one that was ordained of God would be lost. We must. Set our minds and keep our minds on the fact that the Holy Spirit is still the the power of the word to bear. He is in the word. The word, though it speaks of the will of the Father and has its essence in the Son, is brought to light and brilliance by the Holy Spirit alone. He brings the word, he applies the word, he explains the word, he wields the word. Coming back to the statement in Ephesians 6 about the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, I would stress that the sword is not a weapon. And I underscore this, the sword is not a weapon that you and I wield in our own strength. It is not a sword that is in our hand mainly. Rather it is the sword of the Spirit. The sword is used. By the Spirit. In me. For me. And on my behalf in my warfare with the wicked one. As with the other God given gifts of grace. That aid and protect we must see. This piece of armor in the same way. That it speaks of the graces of God. The gift of God. The provision of God. The word of God does a gracious work. That attacks the power of darkness. And the Holy Spirit. Is the great operator of that sword. Let me be. You and I. the word of God. We learn it and we take it into our hearts. We think on it and we dwell on it. We believe it and we lift it up. But the power of the word and striking of the two edged sword against the power of darkness. These are in the hand of the spirit of God. So I present this as a point that I will seek to review with you today. That the sword, the word of God, is the tool of the Holy Spirit. And that he uses that to win and help and uphold us as those who are in Christ. The Holy Spirit uses the word to shed light. The Holy Spirit uses the word to convict. He uses it to quiet and to calm. Or as his name suggests, to comfort. He uses it to draw. In the word he causes us to hear the voice of the shepherd and follow. But it's his tool. My question this morning, given that subject given that point that I would seek to prove is this what does he do with it if it is the sword of the spirit that is that which I hold to and I see being used as my defense how does the Holy Spirit use the word of God in such a way that for me it acts as a sword against the enemy of my soul I've got it a handful of things I want to point out today. First, I want you to do this with me. That the Holy Spirit uses the Word of God to defend the saint. The Holy Spirit uses the Word of God to defend the saint. You know, so much of John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress is devoted to Christian's journey as he wore the armor that he was given at the house beautiful. Of course, the great moment in which the sword became most necessary was when he battled against Dion. And it was finally the sword thrust that wounded the villain that caused him to flee. That is but a picture. But sometimes we get so engrossed in the picture that we lose the point. My question is, what is going to turn away the, ta- the attack of Satan when he comes against you? Particularly, let's use this one first. When the devil comes and he attacks you on the point of assurance of your salvation, what are you going to find is going to be your help? Are you going to lean or be able to lean on your remembrance of a day? when you bowed the knee and prayed to be saved, is that what's going to be your defense against the wicked one? Or could it be that you can look back at a long history of Christian living and say, well, that's my defense. I know I must be saved. Let me say this to you. That won't hold up. If you're looking at those kinds of things, oh, I said this, I prayed this, or I've been this, that won't hold up against Apollyon. He has a hundred answers for those arguments. Let me suggest a couple to you. Did you mean it? He never uses that. Oh, yes, he does. I am one here to tell you that that was an affliction in my own heart for a number of years when I was a young fellow. Did you really mean it? Did you understand it? Did you understand what you were doing? Did you understand what you were praying? Did you say the right words? Ah, how about this one? Have you seen acceptable fruit in your life since that day? Well maybe you' doubting. And I'll tell you the truth. It wasn't until personally, the Lord allowed me by His grace to cast myself on the word of God that I had any assurance. The Lord has said, and I'll tell you one verse particularly that I want quoted over me as I lay on my deathbed. And that is John chapter 6, verse 37. And him that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. I say to you, those are words to rest your soul on. Let's take another thing, perhaps, that we find in our lives that Satan brings As an attack. How about afflictions? Not just doubting your salvation. What about afflictions? What is it that's going to defend you in that day when you find your soul afflicted? How will you answer his declarations? That say your afflictions are a result of your unfaithfulness. Um. Is that true? Well, it could be. How about this? Why do tragic things happen? Why did this happen? Well, it's all your fault. It's all your fault. Well, how are you going to answer that? How do you respond? My point to you is this. We must go no further than than where Jesus went. When the devil was facing him. It is written. The scripture cites the answer. I go back to the scripture. You attack me on my standing before God. But the scripture tells me my standing before God if I have come to Christ. You tell me about how the... The Lord will look upon me disfavorably and will shut me out and push me away because of myself. The Scripture says otherwise. And I say to you, it is when the Holy Spirit brings to your mind and your heart the power of the Word of God that you find that there's a sword that is wielded that Satan cannot withstand. It is the word of God. It is not you. It is not your experience. It is not your reasoning. It is not the conclusions that you make of yourself or others make of you. The scriptures prove to us that God is faithful. The scriptures tell us that he will not lie. And it is the word that is the tool that defends my heart in all times when I find myself knowing the fiery darts of the wicked one. Yes, I say it is the Holy Spirit that takes the word and brings it home to my heart. He writes it there. He shines through the word to my soul. And I say that is the answer to Satan. That is defense. We'll also say this. It is not my clever use of Bible knowledge that delivers me. Oh may we understand. You may know much about the scriptures. As an academic situation. But it's not your knowledge that delivers you. It is the Holy Spirit that does. And I would say. Whenever the Holy Spirit. Uses the. Sword. Sword. Where is the first thrust made? Say, it's against the devil. No, it isn't. <laughs> no, it isn't. When the Holy Spirit uses the Word of God as the sword of the Spirit that divides soul and spirit, the first thrust is in my own heart. That I might know that the truth, and that the truth might set me free, free from. Accusations that I bring against myself, but more so even against the accusations of Apollyon. The first thrust is in my own heart. Or as the psalmist says in Psalm 107 verse 20, he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from destruction. When I say after my own heart is secured by the sword that divides soul and spirit, Then the word is useful in thrusting through that which stands against me. There is no oppressor that stands against me that will be able to stand against the word of God. Used by the power of the spirit. And we ought not to be those who are hesitant. To let the word of God be heard. It is a defense. For the saint. Second. The Holy Spirit uses the word of God to deflect the false. Now, I don't mean to embarrass my daughter, but my daughters have enjoyed often a film called The Scarlet Pimpernel. It is sort of a swashbuckling story, much like The Three Musketeers. And the great highlight of the story, uh, at least in my opinion, is the sword fight in which every imaginable piece of furniture is either hacked into or uh, upended in some way. And you think about it, if the sword fight consisted only of one thrust by each party, it would be a terribly boring affair. But... There was a lot of clashing of swords and fancy footwork that enhanced the excitement. Why are you bringing this up? This is my point. The point is this. One function, yes, one function of the sword is to hack at the enemy and try to do him in swiftly with a crushing strike. However, one occasion... As a sword's function is the intercepting of the enemy's sword and deflecting it away. You you know what I'm talking about? Sword fight? You know, you stop them here, you move there. Their swords, and one was deflecting the stroke of the other. In fact, you think about it why is a hilt? You know what a hilt is on a knife or a sword? It's that part immediately above the hand. It's either like a T or it goes around it. Why do they put those on? The reason is because when the sword of the enemy may slide down your sword blade, it doesn't continue on to strike your hand and take half of your hand off maybe or or severely hurt you so that you have to drop your sword. It's there as a protection. It's there because in the fight with swords, there's going to be a deflecting of the opponent's sword blade you say why are you bringing all this up simply this the spirit of God uses the word of God to turn aside the thrust of the wicked one he may come with fierce attack but when it runs up against the truth of the word it fails to destroy or harm why do you hide the word of God in your heart Because it is used by the Spirit of God to deflect, if you will, that which is false. That which is untrue. That which is completely against your God, particularly, and yourself as well. Maybe some of you who are older and you've been in the Lord a little while, can you ever remember... A time when the word of God came to your heart and undid a temptation that you were about to fall into, or undid a fear that you were wrestling with. Well, most of us can say, "Yeah, I can remember a time I, I was I was fearful over this thing, or I found myself, uh, boy, I was gonna I was gonna go and I was gonna tell that guy off and whatever it was." But you found the word of God speak to your heart and it deflected, as it were. That which was against the mind and will of God for his people. That is a function of the word that the spirit uses within us. To turn away the stroke of our adversary. A third thing. The Holy Spirit uses the word of God to detach the heart. What is true about our hearts? Even if we're those that are saved. Is this not true? Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Yes, the hearts of fallen men and even saved men are prone to love and go after that which is opposed to the holy calling of God. We are prone to wander. We are prone to want to go our own way. Well, how does the Lord sever the hearts of his people from the love of the world that will harm and bring it into misery? Well, let me just read you a couple of verses. Psalm 119, verse 9. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. Psalm 119, verse 101. I have refrained my feet from every evil way that I might keep thy word. What does the Lord Jesus say? pray concerning his disciples and then those that would believe on him through their word. John chapter 17, verse 17, he prays this, sanctify them, praying to the Father, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. You see, the Holy Spirit uses the word of God in the heart of a child of God, to cause him to be made free, to sever him from the love of the world. You say that never happens. Well, let me give you an example. Do You remember in Luke chapter 19, there was a wee little man who climbed up in a tree. What was his name? Does anybody know? Yeah. What was his name, Mayor Shalahashbaz? Oh, you... Everybody should say it right out nice and loud. It was Zacchaeus. Okay, thank you. Wee little man. What happened when the Lord Jesus went to Zacchaeus's house and began to speak to Zacchaeus about his soul? And Zac- Zacchaeus understood who Christ was. And he repented and turned his heart over to the Lord Jesus. What happened in Zacchaeus' life? What did he say? robbed any man. I'm going to give it back to him. Not just what I found, but fourfold. And the Lord Jesus says to him, salvation has come to your house today. You see, my point is that when a man finds the spirit of God using the word of God in his heart, like that two-edged sword. It is that which is used of the Spirit of God to sanctify or to separate that man from the love of the world. Just to us then the importance of us being in the Word of God. Reading it, putting it to our hearts. You all are memorizing Scripture. What's the good of that? Is it just so that you get a reward for having sent it? Or is it at some point down the road the Spirit of God will use that in you and for you? Well, it's the second thing. It's nice to get the reward. But you'll find later it'll be far more worth memorizing that the Spirit of God will take that and use that to deliver you from the love of the world and the things that are in the world. Number four. The Holy Spirit uses the word of God to diffuse our fears. To diffuse our fears. Second Timothy chapter 1 verse 7 says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. The spirit of God working in us causes us not to have the spirit of fear, but the spirit of power and of love and of sound mind. We considered on Wednesday night a portion from Psalm 56. There's a couple verses there that also lend their weight to what I'm saying here. Psalm 56 verse 10 says, In God will I praise his word. In the Lord will I praise his word. In God I put my trust. I will not be afraid what man can do to me. What is it that deflects fear? What is it that allows us to have the spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind? I suggest to you it is the Holy Spirit using the word of God in your heart. In God I will praise his word. Why? Because his word works in me. Again, I say there is no power that works so mightily or so thoroughly in the mind and heart as the spirit applying the word of God. You and I can lie under many distresses. Many many things that are hard to go through. But what delivers us from the fear of those things? Again, it's the spirit of God. Do you remember in Pilgrim's Progress? When Christian and Hopeful are lying in the giant's dungeon. And they're despairing. In fact, the giant comes to them periodically, mocking them, says, why don't you just do away with yourself? Why don't you just, listen, are you guys having fun? And I'm paraphrasing, but you didn't say it this way. Are you guys having fun being so miserable? Is this, is this really enjoyable? Do you, and by the way, do you think you're ever going to get out of this? Do you think this is ever going to end? Why don't you just do away with yourselves and have done? And you find them both despairing. There tends to be more of faith than Christian is. But then what happens? How are they delivered from that? I think you'll see the parallel. It was when somebody reached in their pocket and found, oh, I have something here. I forgot about it. Do you remember what it was? The key of promise. The key of the word. And when he took the word, the key of the promise, and went to the door, it turned the lock and opened the door and they were able to escape. Of course, a giant comes running after him and then finds himself in the sunlight. What happens to the giant? Gives up, falls over. And They are able to run free. The word of God. The promises of God. Well I have one last. The Holy Spirit uses the word of God. To delight the soul. He uses the word of God to delight the soul. There are. A number of scriptures that I could quote to you at this point but let me just mention these galatians chapter 5:22 this would be a good verse or two to memorize but the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace long suffering gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance against such there is no law. The joy of my heart is produced as the fruit of the Spirit. It's not something that I produce in myself. It is a result of that which comes from God. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but in power and in the Holy Ghost. And in much assurance as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake and ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. There was a joy that was produced by the Holy Spirit. A joy that was connected to the gospel, to the word of God. And let me say this, the Holy Spirit does not bring joy to us by bringing us into some state where we feel, and I'm using the word here that the word, uh, the world uses over and over again, inappropriately uh, used, but he doesn't bring us into some state where we feel excited about ourselves and our successes. True joy cannot be obtained by what you find in yourself or in the obtaining of what you want out of life. It is a product of the work of the Holy Spirit How does the Holy Spirit produce joy in the believer? I see 3 ways. The Holy Spirit shows us how we are to go on with God. That is one faithful way, John chapter 15 verse 10. If we keep if you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. Even if I kept my father's commandments and abide in his love, these things have I spoken unto you, ah, spoken the sayings. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. The Lord Jesus is saying there in these verses that he would have us understand that joy comes doing the will of God. Well, who shows you those things? The Spirit of God. Number two, the Holy Spirit shows us how we are secure in the hand of a God that cannot lie. And again, I testify to you this morning that that was one of the key things in my own heart and mind that the Lord used to convince me that I belonged to him many years ago. And that was, God can't lie. He does not lie. What he says in his word is absolute truth. And since he cannot lie, I can rest my whole soul on what he says in the word. Isaiah chapter 12. Some of you have memorized this verse. Therefore, with joy, with joy, shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. In other words, knowing that all is well and settled with God is a source of great joy. Again, how does that come? The answer is that the Holy Spirit shows us the truth in the Word of God. And third, the Holy Spirit shows us the face of the Lord Jesus and that produces joy. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7 and 8. That the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth. Though it be tried with fire might be found unto the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Whom having not seen ye love. In whom though now ye see him not yet believing. Ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. How do you get joy unspeakable? It comes by the Spirit of God applying the truth of the word. So my thought to you is this, that the sword is used of the spirit. It is the sword of the spirit that is used in us and for us. It is his skillful use that makes the difference. Therefore, application. Therefore, learn the word. Learn the word. Hide the word of God in your hearts. Go no further in your thinking than the word. It is the sword that the Holy Spirit uses. It is the tool of the Spirit. We are given this as a gift and a grace of God. He has given us this ministry as that which is a piece of armor. And in this case, it is a positive offensive work rather than being purely a defensive work. But it is a blessing and it is a gift that we cannot estimate, but we can see. May the Lord allow his word to remain with us and in us for Jesus' sake. Let's all pray. Father in heaven, now we pray that thou will bless this word. We pray that thou will use it for the sake of the Lord Jesus. We pray that thou will use it for the good of thy people we pray that thou will use it that we would be those who are able to rest and those who are able to have joy as we see the spirit of God taking the word of God and applying it and using it in us and then also to lighten our path to know how we should go forward with our God and see our enemies put to flight Lord I pray now that you will bless us as we leave this place allow the spirit to continue to speak to us From the word is our prayer, for we pray it all in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.